Welcome back to In The Race Podcast. So this is part two, but we're switching topics. So if you didn't catch our first one, please check it out. It's all about uh, track days versus race schools. Um, but we just kind of ran out of time and started rolling into tires, which is going to be today's discussion. So uh, both of these are going out at the same time. Hope you got a chance to listen to the first one. Um, just because we split this up, I want to do another quick shout out to our sponsors, E3 Storage. It's a great place to store your vehicle. Jaisal Track Days. That's who you want to go with when you hit the racetrack. Valkyrie Engineering, some incredible products uh, that I've used myself. Um, Miata Fix is located out of Leeds, Alabama, an amazing Miata-specific shop. Koenig Wheels and Four Wheel Parts, both of which you know the brands, but are, we're very lucky to have them on board to help with our endeavors. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, my name is Kevin Bandy, and with me is Corey Funk. Let's jump right into it. We on? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this is... Uh, Continuation. Number two. Oh, I forgot my headphones. Yeah, see, if we actually have to do, like, we, if we have to think about this and put together a formal plan, it takes twice as much alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also twice as much time. <laughs> yeah, it takes a little while. But you know what? It's worth it. I think yeah. you guys are hopefully going to gain a lot from it. Um, let us know. Okay, so we just got done talking ad nauseum about driving schools, track days, uh, experiences, um, really talking about how they have different objectives, they exist to fulfill different needs, um, and helping you navigate that world, because it, it's quite complex, and I don't think it's um, very obvious. So really, really cool discussion. Um, I think equally riveting, and uh, I think anybody that's super into motorsports gets it and understands that it, this is super deep, uh, but maybe if you don't have that perspective it's not obvious and that is tires tires are incredibly complex but they're equally crucial mm -hmm. um so we've uh, like Corey and i here have experienced a lot of different tires um we uh, you just once you're in motorsports you start to like you, you keep up with the the news of the new tires coming out and you've got like kind of your wish list of tires you want to drive on and um, we've driven different cars with different tires and, and it really like you could, you know, you could change nothing else than just the tires and you get a totally different experience with different tires. So there's, there's a lot to it. Um, we've kind of like loosely put together, um, some things we want to talk about related to tires. And I think this is going to be really inf informational. I think it's gonna be really good. So how do you want to jump in? I'll let you start. Let, let's do, uh, let's do just like a brief definition of like tread wear and uh and kind of what the industry looks at as as you know standard and and how in some ways it's like their system is uh, <laughs> not, they're, not they're all the using reliable yeah <laughs> they're all using different measuring sticks i guess is the best way of putting it all right let's uh let okay so i've got in front of me tire rack by the way you may have heard of tire rack you may know like Oh, yeah, it's just a place you can buy tires. They're really enthusiast-driven, and there's a lot of good information on Tire Rack. Um, it's a great place to shop tires. Um, we're not sponsored or anything. Love to be. Would absolutely <laughs> love to be, yeah. but uh, not currently. Um, but they have some great definitions on their website, and I'm going to be referencing a bit of that um, right now and throughout this podcast. But there's a, when you hear the term treadwear, uh, there's, there's something called UTQG. Uniform Tire Quality Grade. And uh, this this is a number that's usually some hundreds, like 100, 200, 300. Um, and that 
gives you um, kind of in technically here's here's the technical right like what I know and what I tell people is like the lower the number the stickier the tire but also the less it will last and the higher the number it's not as sticky but it will last longer mm-hmm. and and that's pretty accurate but we'll go into why that's not um, you know not absolute word like there's there are there are caveats there um, according to tire rack the treadwear grade, which is this UTQG, um, are based on an actual road use. They do a convoy on a 400-mile loop in Texas. They drive for 7,200 miles, and then every 800 miles, they have the option to reset the alignment, check their tire pressures, and rotate. And then at the end of those 7,200 miles, they measure the wear on the tire, and they compare it to like a reference tire. And so that refer- if it's one-to-one with that reference tire, then it gets a 100 rating. But if it's twice as long, it should be a 200, you know, three times as long, 300, and everything like that. Um, half the time, 50, et cetera. So I, I've seen numbers as low as 40. I, there might be something lower. I feel like that's about the lowest I've seen too. 40 is about the lowest. And I, I think there's like probably a 600, usually 500 which what you see on the high end. Yeah, I've seen like high 500s before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so if you're, you know, you drive a Prius and you really want to get the best fuel economy, you want something that's going to last a long time, you're not going to be looking for the lowest <laughs> UTQG. You're not going to be looking for the lowest treadwear. Um, but if you want an autocross car, that can quickly grip and just be the fastest thing around there. You probably want the lowest number you want. And um, endurance racing, you have to find a balance, right? So this is this is not like a, oh, you always want the low number. You always want the high number. There's a lot of nuance to it. Uh, but this is kind of like the main point that you look at in a tire. And a lot of race classes will define their rule sets around this i mean of course size is important too but this is kind of the primary factor mm-hmm. um yeah anything you want to add to that initial part no i think that's i think that's pretty good um so yeah. now we can talk about how it's not good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, the challenge here is that um there's not it, the strictness at which it's set up that you report these numbers um, allows a lot of a lot of flexibility. And even in Tyrax article here, they're talking about um, you're allowed to underreport the treadwear, so you can't overreport. You can't say like, "Oh, well, this super sticky tire will last for five times longer." We're going to call it a 500 treadwear. You can't do that if it won't last it. But they, if you can report it as lower, they don't care about that. Hmm. And um, if you go between brands, you'll really notice that they could be quite different. And and we've got some specific ones we'll jump into and talk about that just don't seem like they're categorized, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the the biggest thing. It's it seems like the different 
and and you hear this a lot when you start digging into tire articles and tire reviews and everything. They they basically say that the treadwear rating means nothing because all of the different companies are using different standards for their treadwear rating. <laughs> right, right. And I I've heard that like, you know, with TVs they have this like uh, contrast ratio, and I heard that it's like not standardized at all. So everybody just picks the biggest number they can think of. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> so, like it really doesn't give you any comparison. Yeah. Um, so that makes things difficult, and that kind of reinforces the importance of these type of independent testing uh, places. So Tire Rack probably being the largest uh, of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head, where they are constantly independently testing things using their own standardized tests. So they have like a standard fleet of cars, uh, which by the way, fun fact about this, they use, as as far as I know, they use exclusively BMW uh sedans because from one model to the next they found that bmw was much more consistent uh from, really from yeah so like That's basically cool. they, like they'll just buy a fleet of like three series for example yeah and they know that all of them are going to be very very similar to the next and there's not going to be one that's like a little bit faster than the others and apparently they've tried other uh they've tried other manufacturers and they had issues that's um, a really cool story. I didn't know that. Yeah, I sat in on a live uh, tire rack uh, qu- like question and answer session one time, and it was specifically around the way that they test things. And I, I asked the question live, why don't you guys use something like, a, I don't know, Toyota 86 or something that's like a little bit more interesting or known for being like a handling car. And they had a long explanation that I didn't think they had thought through about why the BMW uh, sedans, and particularly the 3 Series at this time, uh, was like the best most consistent <laughs> see this is why you got to listen to our podcast that is an exclusive because <laughs> if Corey didn't ask that question the world may not know so that is why you watch this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah so anyways kudos to bmw and, and kudos to places like tire rack for actually going the extra mile and caring about the details and trying to be fair this is the re like the only way that we get to compare one tire brand to another tire brand and both of them are 200 treadwear and both of them are supposedly great track tires is to one either try them ourselves or two uh trust another company that that has uh that has driven on a lot of these different ones and and done their own tests so if you, if you dig in um if you go you don't even have to dig in if you go look up at a tire a tire rack the spec sheets on there are outrageous and they're there um computed values like they've they've tested and they they put all these numbers down yeah. um I, I've got, it, it's really cool because, um, I was really involved with the Audi club. Um, never owned an Audi, but I just, I liked the people. So I kept going to their events and, uh, what, they were sponsored by Michelin and they had a Michelin engineer come out. And, um, so most Audis are all wheel drive. They have their Quattro system. It's a very sensitive system, right? So it's important that, uh, you know, uh, your, your wheels are all, spinning at the same speed like that's that's very important with their their complex all-wheel drive system could you know grenade it could, it could be bad it has to be very um, specifically careful so what a lot of people will do is you, know, you get a flat or something it's like oh no this is the expense of owning a fancy audi now you have to replace all four tires mm-hmm. um or a lot of companies will sell you the, the the feature of like they will shave down a brand new tire so it matches your old tires Hmm. And then, and then you should be good, right? So, what was so interesting? We had this Michelin engineer there, and they said that's actually completely false. Hmm. He said what matters is not 
and like the actual difference and they had like the they had they were pulling up charts like they had tested this the tread depth is essentially negligible what matters is what they categorize or what they like quantify with what they call revs per mile hmm. so you're like well what's the difference between the circumference and the number of revolutions a tire takes per mile shouldn't that be the same and then you think about it, like, look at a car. Look, look carefully. A tire is not a circle. It's a circle if it's not on the ground. As soon as you set it down on the ground, it's kind of like a D. Right? There's a flat spot at the bottom of the tire. It compresses a little bit. And what's interesting is tires are actually very complex in their construction. They're not just like a mold and you inject a bunch of rubber in there and you're done right there's metal bands there's different compounds it's all laid in very specific ways so these metal bands in the tire have a lot more to do with the if you will actual circumference of the tire the acting circumference of the tire versus the outer circumference of the rubber the outer circumference of the t rubber is so pliable it's so flexible now, when you drive over it, it changes the shape of the tire, changes the overall diameter. Interesting. And that's the only part that wears. Like, I, I can't think of any application where people use tires and they wear them well through the metal bands, right? Yeah. Once you get to the metal, you're done. You throw the tire away. It doesn't matter. But before then, it's all rubber. So you wear down more of the rubber. It actually makes almost no difference being at, like, a completely worn down to, to its limits tire or a brand new tire. If the metal bands are in the same place, they rotate at the same revolutions per mile. So what does all that mean? It means if you have this fancy all-wheel drive system and you buy and you get a flat with half of your life taken out of your tires, if you buy the same exact tire and you put a brand new one on there, it's fine. If you buy a different brand and you shave it down to be the same circumference, it may not be fine. Wow. So what, what really matters is this revs per mile. And I don't know anywhere else that you can find it than Tire Rack. You go on Tire Rack, it'll show revs per mile. So what you'll do is you go punch in a tire, and you go punch in another tire, and you look them up. If their revs per mile are really close, they're they're one-to-one. -one. You can you can throw it on the car, and it'll act just like the other one. Not, not in grip level, but in rotation. Yeah. No kidding. Isn't that wild? That is wild. And basically, Michelin is kind of like a class leader in the industry like they're they definitely know their stuff yeah it's almost like they're the gold standard for uh sports car manufacturers to get on their cars and michelin will also go out of their way to custom design tires specifically for certain cars and basically all of this is to say they go the extra mile in every way that i've seen a tire company able to go the extra mile in. yeah um and so whatever michelin guy says i feel like i'm going to trust that i i have no reason to not yeah i'm with you i definitely trust it um so basically if you go to a tire shop and they try to sell you shaving down the tire to not affect your all-wheel drive system um they probably just don't understand it they probably yeah. just don't know that that's not actually helpful. Let me throw this nugget in there. Shaving a tire could have another advantage. There is a reason to shave a tire. And that is, my understanding of it is um, reducing tread squirm. Mm. So if, if the tread blocks move around a lot, they generate heat. So if you actually shave them down, they generate less heat. They could potentially last longer. 
Um, or like not heat cycle out as fast. That makes perfect sense. I hadn't really ever thought about it like that before. I think you can actually through tire rack, um, like shave a tire. And that's where it reduces the tread block height. Um, you can also pre heat cycle them. Yes. I can't speak a whole lot on that. I don't know exactly the intention there. Yeah. Well, I've seen also, um, another site that a lot of us use in the track car world is Phil's tire service. Yeah. Uh, and they sell, very uh, more like exotic tires if you will right, <laughs> like right, right. you can get the the hoosiers there i think uh actually tyrex sells hoosiers as well um but you can also get tires like nankang ar1s and crs's yeah, that, yeah. And, that, and that's those are tires that you cannot really get anywhere um online besides there so um yeah it's it's interesting my understanding of the heat cycling is tires depending on what they are they're usually uh most effective after they have gone through like a heat cycle or two Um, particularly when it comes to slicks like very very sticky tires it takes a heat cycle or two to kind of like break them in if you will yeah and so i guess they have some some solution where they can do it off the car yes and then there's like a period of time where they're at their maximum grip maybe that's like another four heat cycles uh and like approximately another uh, four 20 minute sessions or something like that, like a whole day of track days. Yeah. And then after that, as you add more heat cycles and more time, then they start to kind of fall away past that point where they even started and even further down. So, um, there's kind of like this Goldilocks window (laughs) for, for the tire where it is, it is functioning. It's, it's best. And if you're going to show up at a track and throw a fresh set of tires on and then go race it. <laughs> yeah. uh, or, you know, you're going to go out for a time attack session or whatever it is. You need them to be absolute optimal stickiness right then and there. Then it makes sense to do a, a shave or a, or a heat cycle. And, and you watch Formula One, you can tell how important it is. I mean, those cars are have heat blankets on them till the last possible moment that they can take those off. So having a, a tire that's been treated a certain way or has... Um, has met some certain tire temperature or something is actually critical for performance yeah yeah and i've experienced that in person too i had a set of tires uh it was a set of uh bridgestone re71rs yeah and they froze over the summer on the car and before i drove them uh at a track day at amp and then they went through like two months where they they froze a couple of times and then i drove it again at amp the exact same car and even with new sway bars it did feel better but the overall grip was lower it was was interesting like it just somehow that cycle of freezing compromised the tires even though they were not going through a quote-unquote heat cycle or like more tread wear of some kind you know this is the wild thing if you're like oh okay well chemistry affects a race car you'd be like oh yeah well in the fuel right no no in the tire like that, that, that rubber compound, you have to think of it as like a, like a, a fluid changing. Yeah. It's kind of volatile. Yeah. Honestly. And, and it really does matter. And it matters in a big way. Um, it, you can look at, um, yeah, Formula One's such a great example of it. If you, if you watch, like sometimes a team will take a, a chance and run a different tire compound than everybody else. And you'll see they might have an advantage at the beginning and then that advantage falls off or the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. So that those kinds of strategies are, are only making significant changes because the temperature profile across that rubber is drastically changing the performance capability of the car. Yeah, 
That's really wild. I think I think that's one of the one of the in, most interesting points to make that like tires are so critical. Yeah. You can build this incredible car with a ton of power and great handling and everything. And I, I really think it's like, you know, power gives you gives you straight line performance. Handling gives you like driver comfort and confidence, and mm-hmm. then like tires are what give you the grip and the, the lateral control. Mm-hmm. And also like a well designed tire, uh, well designed performance tire will actually give you some of that confidence as yes. well in the way that it breaks away and in the way that uh, it uh, basically like inflates and deflates over subtle pressure changes. And yeah. it, there's like all, all of these different things that go into a tire that can make it a very easy, easy and approachable tire or a very sketchy and, and kind of scary tire to drive on. It just depends. You know, I really I want to spend more time on Hoosiers or like proper um, race tires because I feel like there's this um, I feel like there's this common knowledge if you will there's this like fear tactic almost that says like it once you step from a street tire you know even if it's like an R comp mm-hmm. to like a Hoosier it's like it falls off so incredibly fast mm-hmm. so it's like you have all this grip and then suddenly you break away and you spin into the wall uncontrollably and I I don't know that that's true. Yeah. I think that's kind of a myth. Yeah, I think it is too. And I think that honestly it comes from <laughs> I think it I think it comes from like Gran Turismo <laughs> and, and and Forza, right? You put the slicks on, the car if the car breaks away, it's it's, it's like over. it's over. It's spinning around. Um I I'm sure it's coming from other places too. And and they are, you know, like a very sticky tire communicates less. Uh, it will be sliding and you will hear nothing. <laughs> so that, that is very true. The, the audible change is significant. So you'll, you'll go from like a, an all season or a, a performance summer tire um, to a, you know, an extreme summer or, you know, some kind of like actual track tire or something like that. And the amount of squeal and tire screech sound that you hear when you're approaching the limit um, definitely goes to zero. Yeah, <laughs> I still remember putting on my first set of sticky t- summer tires and going through a, like a clover leaf or something on an exit ramp and like having a little bit of slip angle and hearing nothing and thinking that it was the scariest thing that I've ever <laughs> that I had ever experienced. Well, and, and so that that could be an origin of that myth, you know. If if you if you agree that it's a myth, um, if you're relying on the sound and you don't get any of it, and then suddenly you you spin. Mm-hmm. Um, then yes, okay, so you went from something that gave you an audible warning to something that doesn't give you an audible warning. That seems like a Boolean of like safe, not safe. Yeah. But it's really not that way, I don't think. Yeah, I think generally speaking, uh, and even in a high-performance environment, you'll actually have more confidence on the slicks because they're going to remain constant across the drive cycle, I guess. Yeah, and, and where that kind of falls apart is as soon as you hit... Um, non-ideal track conditions you get on oil you get on water you get on something like that and now yeah you're you're in a lot of trouble so if you think about it why why do we see these race tires that have no tread design on them at all right and it's because in an ideal track environment in you know a dry clean track the flatter surface is going to have more mating area with the ground Mm -hmm. that's your ideal why don't we see that on street cars well it, there are real world roads are not that good as there's rain there's uh you know roughness there's potholes all kinds of stuff there's there's you know debris 
so typically we have to deal with a lot of things. And most of it is um, displacing fluid, displacing water, right? And so you need those those tread designs to do that. And uh, so I've... <laughs> I had this set of tires, the Maxxis RC1s. And if you look at them, they're like slicks, but they have like two grooves. Yeah, so That's it's DOT legal. Yeah, they're just like barely <laughs> DOT illegal. Um, and I had them on my Miata at Road Atlanta when it's pouring down rain. Mm-hmm. And I was on tilt or something. I was driving hard that weekend. <laughs> and, I was, and it was so slippery. It felt like a skid pad session around the whole track. Um, and there, it just, those tires in the dry are incredibly fast in the wet. It, I mean, it, I don't know. I think I lost something like 12 seconds off of my dry time. Like Goodness. they were so slow and they were so sketchy the whole time. And I was pushing hard. Yeah. Like I, I, I spun in the S's once, which was <laughs> pretty scary. Um, so then you, you grab, so you've got this like, 100 tread wear, incredibly sticky tire that's mm-hmm. like meant to be this incredibly fast tire. But in reality, I would have run a much faster time on a Michelin PS4S that's a 300 tread wear tire in yeah. those conditions. Yeah, the, the conditions definitely play a big factor. The other the other thing that I think it's worth mentioning now that you brought up the Maxxis RC1, because I too have driven on, on that one, is that that is kind of, it's it it pretends to be a Hoosier but it's not a Hoosier. Yeah. And and in doing so, it has this extremely long life. Like yeah. an unbelievably long life. And it is less phased by temperature. So like you're for for many, many more sessions, call it like forty sessions, <laughs> you're gonna have this very consistent tire that, yeah. that hardly changes at all. Even if it uh even if it has a lot of heat cycles, basically. Um and then something like a Hoosier, uh that's more like you're going to have like the two two heat cycles to like 10 heat cycles are like the sweet spot. Right, <laughs> and right. And you, you can run them for 40, I'm sure. Right. But they're going to drop off significantly in, in performance. And, and I think that is just something that happens with those very high dollar, very race specific tires because they're, I think they're kind of expecting you to put on some new ones at the beginning of every single race. And for the track day uh, enthusiasts, right, we're trying to pick a tire that's going to get us through the whole year if we can. <laughs> uh, sometimes <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, uh, that can get us through half a season. Um, so if, if you've never done any tracking before, you may not, um, this may not be obvious, but the life of a tire is not necessarily measurable from the the depth of the tread so typically on your streetcar, if your tread you know you put little, the little penny trick you know if you if you hide the head under the, the <laughs> i don't know it's something like that like and uh, it's fine um i had a set of um toyo r triple eights not r triple eight r's r triple eights on my miata and i ran them a bunch i got a lot of life out of those tires um, and that's some, something else I want to mention is like lightweight cars tend to get a lot more life out of them. But um, I had a lot of tread left and those tires started falling off so hard. And at one point, the tire looked shiny. <laughs> just just like was it had this sheen to it because it had completely 
the, that that rubber compound had completely changed state. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it looked like an oil spill on the tire all the time. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't that I picked something up on the tire. It's that... <laughs> the heat. <laughs> the heat. Yeah, the heat cycling. So you can put heat into the, the tire, and when it reaches a certain heat level and comes back, it's just like how you can temper metal. The heat cycling on rubber can actually harden it. So that super soft compound that gives you all that grip, the fact that it's super tacky and soft, it will lose those characteristics when it transitions from you know, room temperature to hot and back and back again. Um, and so you'll find like that's why Hoosiers fall off. That's why people will sell those tires, those race tires, um, after just using them a couple of times. And so you'll find these like race tire takeoffs because they only want that optimal small window we were talking about out of the tire, and then it's of no value to them, so they sell them very cheap. Um, and that can be very tempting because when you look at a tread depth gauge, it appears that there is a lot of life left, um, but maybe they have been completely heat cycled out of their right. optimal window and even past that. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting. So you, you'll find them really cheap, and, and a lot of people will just constantly buy these from race teams, and run them at track days. And it's not a bad move because they're cheaper than like a 200 treadwear tire. And for a little while, they're probably a little faster. So mm-hmm. you can get some like proper tires for very cheap and it's, it's a good way to run it. Now, what's interesting about that is if you want to do that hack, you need, um, you need to run the right size. You need to run the same size as that race car. And, and I think that's what's really interesting is um, when you're talking about tires, the compounds and all that's really important. But you got to think about, like, what can you actually fit on your car? So here's something interesting. Uh, my dad's got this great E36. Um, it's an imposter. It's not actually an M3. It's a 325i. Uh, but he swapped in the M3 motor and, like, a lot of that stuff. So basically it's an M3. So if I look up uh, 1994 BMW 325i on tire rack, there are 10 tires available. There is a snow tire that is 400 treadwear. <laughs> there is a, uh, do I have this sorted right? Yeah. So there's this snow tire. Um, there's uh, an all season. There is uh, another all season. Yeah. So the lowest treadwear rating on all the tires is a like snow all season 400 t- treadwear tire. And there are only 10 tires total available in the factory size, which is uh, 205, 60, 15, right? Oh, that is a weird size. It yeah. is a weird size. So the actual tires he runs are 245, 40, 17. So if you look at 245, 40, 17s, there are 51 tires. And of those, there's this, uh, I think it's a new tire, this Nexon and Ferris Sport R, which doesn't have a tread wire rating yet, so it's uh, it's listed first. But then you keep going through, and you've got like snow tires, and you get past those, you can get a Hoosier A7. So their A7 is their autocross tire, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a Hoosier R7, which is more the track tire. Those are both 40 tread wire. And the Toyo Proxy RR is Toyo's competitor to that. It's also 40 tread wire. Hoosier sells a rain tire that's a, that's like a a 40 treadwear as well, the Hoosier Wet. Mm-hmm. You can get the R888R, which is the evolution of the one I was just mentioning. It's 100 treadwear. 
You can get an Eagle F1 Supercar 3R, which is also 100 treadware. You can get the Hankook RS4s, which are 200 treadware. You can get the 8008R Yokohamas that are 200 treadware. You can get the Dunlop Z3s, which are 200 treadware. You can get the Toyo R1Rs, which are 200 treadware. You can get the <laughs> Yoko AO52s, which are 200 treadware. You can get the RT660s, which are 200 treadware, blah, blah, blah. So it's so like all the good tires. <laughs> all the good tires are available in that size. So what you've got to think is like, um, you've got to pick a tire size that's going to give you the kind of capabilities you want. And traditionally, what I've seen um, raced a lot and therefore has a broad selection in the performance categories are like 15s and 17s mm-hmm. of like some specific sizes. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and that's something that can be one of the more tedious parts of prepping your car for a track day is picking that right tire and wheel particularly the the right offset that fits under your fenders and doesn't rub anything whether that be the body of the car or like interior components like control arms and and uh struts and shocks and that kind of thing um and my i've, I've tried this in the past before just getting the absolute largest tire that i can possibly fit under there <laughs> and let me say from experience that is a really frustrating way to, <laughs> to make a car go faster. Yeah. Um, so I've been in the situation before now several times where instead of just getting the 245, 4017, which there are a million options of, and is actually a great and effective uh, size to use on the types of cars that we play around with, yeah. I have gone with the 255, 4017. And then you put it on and you have to like adjust the ride height because it's touching the fender and you have to adjust uh the way that the suspension is uh like how stiff it is because you're trying to keep it out of uh, other components uh fender wells right, and, and right. these kind of th- things because when you go to the 255 because that aspect ratio remains the same you also get more diameter so you're right. getting a larger tire fitting in the same place that the that the smaller tire would have been just fine and then the other thing is a lot of the time what you do is you you get that like medium sticky tire but you go for the bigger size so you think like it's like the mostly sticky but slightly cheaper tire in the bigger size is going to be stickier but in reality um if i would have just purchased the 245 4017 instead of the 255 in a proper tire that i know is very well reviewed and and uh that i have heard reviews from from other people that that have enjoyed using it it probably would have been even a little bit more sticky it would have had better performance um overall and i would have avoided all of the issues of trying to make sure that it fits under the the fenders essentially and and i think uh you want some additional proof of that like go look at the gltc grid life rule book and and basically they have these translation charts of like you can have this sticky of a tire in this size and the stickier tire in this size and the sizes are not the same you can have a stickier tire on a smaller size or a less sticky tire on a larger size. And we've seen these guys be super competitive with wildly different tire sizes on different compounds because they kind of offset each other. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just further proof that like, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's two sides of the equation here and you can play with either. So if one of them is a lot easier to fit, it makes sense. Now, let's say you're brand new to this. You're like, I'm just getting into it, but I need to buy a set of wheels because the stock wheels are just like not a good option. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe I got bigger brakes. I can't fit the wheels anymore. I need to, I need to choose a new size. What I would recommend, and I want to hear if you've got a different opinion here, mm-hmm. but I would look at sizes and I would try to find something with a lot of, uh, 
100 and tre- 200 treadwear tire options. Mm-hmm. But if you're new to this, I don't recommend you buy one of those tires. I recommend you buy something of like a 300 or higher treadwear to learn on. So the less sticky tire is going to help you learn the car at slower speeds and um, enable you to really feel out the car in a safer safer setup. Um, when you start chunking a tire, when it starts to disintegrate under the heat that you put it in, you know it's time to step up. Um, so my point is if you're going to buy wheels, you're going to invest in wheels that you're going to use down the road, you want to make sure you have that availability of 100 and 200 treadwear tires because you're going to want to be closer to that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but initially, that's probably not the tire you want to start on. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I recently put a set of Falcon FK 510s on my E90 uh, BMW, and they were the they were the cheapest summer tire that had tread that could run both directions that mm. I could find on Tire Rack. And I wasn't looking for a performance tire. I was just looking for like the cheapest summer tire that I could possibly put on right. this thing from a manufacturer that I've heard of before. And I was thinking in this thought process, I'll just have a little bit of fun, you know? I'll like throw on a tire that's not as sticky as some of the others. I'll be able to, you know, like go and do a skid pad and like slide it around in, in the rain and, and right. not have to worry about... Um, not have to worry about going a million miles an hour in order to break it loose. It turns out they were too sticky. <laughs> like <laughs> it actually killed all of the fun. When we did the autocross wow. at um uh Barber for yeah. the car control clinic. Right. This was the one that we did like last year. I literally could not get the car to slide. Wow. Um it was so sticky and when it did break away the characteristics of that tire um and also probably my alignment that I had in the car at the time. Uh it was very much a front starts to push before the rear type mm, of setup when i had all seasons on it before that there were just some uh michelin i forget what they were called uh as4s or something like that they're they're all yeah. season tire that they put on everything that's that is kind of like a all season performance tire um those were the opposite it was like you could drift that thing anywhere interesting and so i actually just recently purchased some tires for that exact same car and i went back to all seasons um because with the all seasons for one thing, if it snows, I can drive it in the rain, which is cool. Or sorry, in the snow. Uh, but secondly, I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting to f- and fun to drive in a daily driver type of scenario in those uh, car control clinics from time to time. If I were to do something like the Jayzilla little like miniature track at the Barber Proving yeah. Grounds, that that kind of thing, it's just going to be a lot more fun. So, um, yeah. all this is a very roundabout way of saying yes, I agree with you. Get yeah. the less sticky tires. Yeah, and and learn the limits of the car with less risk at lower speeds. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I, uh, I got that advice early on in my tracking and, uh, I, I'm happy I did. So I, I kind of like slowly progressed up tires. Um, the Dunlop Dereza Z2 star specs were the first tire that I got that I started like, okay, this is a stickier tire. I'm getting, getting used to that. Mm-hmm. And I really like those tires. And uh, they eventually replaced them with the Dunlop Z3s, which are still available. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone talked me into buying Hankook RS4s. And and what I want to say is, like, this lineage of tire, like the Z3 versus the RS4, and there's probably some others in this category. There's the 200 treadwear, which you'll find is, like, track days, endurance racing, all of that, Um really revolves a lot around this 200 treadwear category. Mm-hmm. So I would say the 200 treadwear is probably the most 
wide, I think a lot of a lot of people compete for that space. So you'll end up with tires that are very different. And I found that some of them in that category have this brilliant match of lasting a long time and having a very significant amount of grip. Mm -hmm. So the Z3 and the RS4, in my experience, have been the best for like bang for your buck. I put them on my car that I mostly track and I drive them every day on the street when I drive the car on the street and I drive them on the track. They seem to wear like iron, everybody says. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> and, uh, but, they, but they grip well. They're enjoyable tires. So when you get into like the 200 treadwear um, arena, there are some that are that way. And there are some in that same category that wear so fast that a lap and a half in and you're like, these things are junk. Yeah. You know, they're really fast for a lap and then they're just, they just fall off really hard. So that those numbers, like we mentioned, you know, just in passing before, like they're not terribly reliable. And especially when you get into these competitive categories mm -hmm. where there's a lot of rule sanctioning around those, um, you might get a very different experience between different tires. Yeah. I, I can't speak too much to the Z3s, um, but I have driven on RS4s and they are that they were kind of what we were joking around with the Maxis earlier and saying they are just consistent from start to finish. Yeah. They, they do not change. And maybe the overall grip uh, limit is like slightly lower than something a little bit more uh, sticky with a shorter life. Uh, but they're just across the board consistent. And what that means for you as a driver is you can go very fast in back to back to back to back laps and you can make little adjustments and you don't have to worry about your, your equipment changing, the tires changing. And I have a lot more experience uh, driving on those tires that I get suckered into buying that are like the gold <laughs> standard, the really sticky ones. Um, for example, the RE71R, um, the Yokohama Advan AO52, uh, the Falcon RT660, and, and these kind of tires. Um, yeah. And it's like they're, they have that super like second lap performance. Um, the RE71Rs, Literally after two laps, they're gone. <laughs> like, like they are eating themselves alive and all of the grip has disappeared. And they might be very fast for that lap or two, but usually at a track day, I'm noticing that that like outlap, I'm, I'm usually like figuring out I'm uh, how to get unstuck from like traffic essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then, so by the time you get to your second lap and you're out of the traffic a little bit, you've gotten a couple point buys or given a couple point buys and created a gap for yourself uh, to go a little bit faster and start feeling out like wh where the limits of the car are. Uh, the tires are already gone because it's been two laps. And then by that, by that point, you're just, you are past the optimal window and you're just using them in this like not very fun zone where they're completely gone and grip and they're starting to eat themselves and, and, you know, kind of tear themselves apart. Again, there's a compromise with everything, right? So like they are great tires, but they fit kind of a different purpose. Like if you're going to throw them on and you're going to go do a time attack event and you're going to pull out onto the track and run your best lap and then immediately shut it down and run, mm -hmm. you know, three tenths and then bring it back in. You want that tire. You yeah, want an AO52. Fantastic. You want an RE71R. If you're going to go do 20 minute sessions five times in a, in a day, mm -hmm. that's not the tire you want. Yeah. Now I will, I will say all of these opinions. And when you look online, you see everybody's, uh, everybody's opinion on a tire. They're wildly different in a 2000 pound car 
and a 4,000 pound car. Yeah. yeah. So, um, one of our friends, Eric Olson, he's got this awesome MR2. It's, it's the MRS. It's the third, uh, the final generation of the MR2. Um, he runs those, uh, Maxxis RC1s. And he said that his fastest lap ever was like on his like 14th track day on them. It's crazy, <laughs> but he gets tons of life out of those. And I remember I ran those R888s for like 12 track days before I was like, these are total garbage. Mm-hmm. But you go throw that on like an E92 M3 and you'll get like three days out of it. And you're like, this is junk. Yeah. So it, the weight of the car has a lot to do with it. And con- conversely, I don't know why this happens, but we have a friend who's put RE71Rs in like big sizes, like 305s and, and larger on some like a Camaro SS1 Elite. And he says they're fine. They don't fade. So wow. that makes absolutely logically that that breaks my brain, right? Because yeah. I would think more weight, more heat and all, and all of this. But for whatever reason, they're just fine on the larger car. Now, I do think there's um, some truth to like this kind of like a width to weight ratio. Mm-hmm. So if you put some massively wide tires on a super light car, you may actually never get them to temp. You may never get them hot enough to actually get their full potential. And then they're like, oh, these things are slippery. It's like, no, 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 you just can't get enough heat in them. Um, So maybe in like a ZR1 uh, or a ZL1 or something like that, maybe they actually have wide enough tires that even though it's a heavy car, it's a little more proportionally tire to weight. so I don't know, maybe something like that. Hmm. Um, let me rattle off a couple of tires like that that I've driven uh, recently. So okay. the, the the RE71R that I used is the example of the one that falls off immediately. Um, yeah. That was more recently on my E46. And I had like kind of like the worst possible case scenario with those and, and was uh, relatively... unhappy with them basically the AO52s I had on my S2000 loved them I was running my my fastest lap like five to ten laps in I have always felt like I'm too poor to buy Yokohamas yeah I they were (laughs) expensive and I splurged a little bit just because everyone was raving about them at the time kind of like everyone's raving about the RT660 right now yeah and they did wear extremely fast but they were fast and they didn't seem to fall off uh, really hardly at all maybe maybe they did a little bit I, I think i remember a couple of times thinking like "Ooh, this is like lap 12 like yeah these are getting pretty they're uh, the braking performance isn't what it was uh the on three or four um so and then pretty consistent but they just didn't have a much overall life um yes yes and maybe they did start to fade a little bit i think i did feel a little bit of fade uh in a couple different places rt 660s i've driven on recently that was in more of like a titan technical autocross type of uh, scenario they were fantastic um they were i felt like they were as sticky as the re71 rs but then they lasted longer as well so i drove um back to back now they were two different cars but they were both e46 m3s without any power mods Mm -hmm. at robling uh, one was with R triple eight R's, and the other was with an RT six sixty. I was like, the one with the R with the RT six sixties. I was very conservative. I lifted and braked additionally for that car, and I comfortably pulled like a three second gap on the R triple eight R's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The R triple eight R's. We we talked about this very briefly before. And they are just like widely accepted as this great performance tire that that can handle track use. And I have just never had good experience with them. I think it's like they're slightly overrated. Here's honestly. what I think it is: they make them in 
every size you can possibly imagine. Yeah. They're cheaper than anything else with the same treadwear rating. And 100 is like a halo treadwear rating. Everybody's like, oh, it's 100 <laughs> treadwear. Like, and so I think there's probably a little bit of like, I bought 100 treadwear. It should be fast. So I'm going to pretend it's fast. I'm going to think it's fast. Yeah. And I think it's also that it's just oh, like so I get cheap. What you're so it's potentially everyone's like gateway drug into. Right performance like really sticky performance i think so yeah so they're coming from an all season they're coming from a ps4s and then they they put on these and they're like oh my gosh it's so much that's how it was for me yeah okay i I think that's actually i had like slow 200 jetwire tires and then i got i jumped to the r triple eight r or r triple eight and i was like oh this thing's so fast interesting also they come with the penalty if you've never driven on r triple eights or r triple eight r's they sound like freaking trucks in the middle of the country on mudders they sound they're so loud <laughs> it's stupid noise. and then they are like once they tr- wear down a little bit they're worthless in the wet <laughs> I mean, even at the beginning they're not very good i get really annoyed by tread patterns that are just extremely one directional as well yeah like uh for example the um the nitto nto1 have you ever seen those on a car they <laughs> only make the tire with one directional tread. So it's and it's like a very aggressive like rain slot that that slopes aggressively out to the um, outside of the wheel, but on one side of the t- car it works perfectly. <laughs> on the other side of the car it's backwards. The the tread Oh, that's right. So I real uh, the really one directional uh, tread patterns annoy me. If you're a tire manufacturer and you're listening to this, give us two directional tread yeah give us square tread blocks <laughs> yeah because it's it's what you're saying is like left to right of the tire is like dramatically yes. different so you've put it on the left side of the tire car or the right side of the car like because you can't flip it around correct so it's just they like don't make left and right tires they yeah. just make the same tire and it has the same tread pattern that is optimized for one, one direction yeah, yeah. For one side that's no, a good way of putting that's, it. that's that's no good so that, that always bothers me you know, very interesting there and this is uh like we kind of give ourselves a category that we want to talk about of like tires we want to drive and i think this probably fits in our in both of us for for that category mm-hmm. and um there's this new collaboration tire between continental and hoosier mm-hmm. called the extreme contact force and so mm-hmm. uh, kind of similar to what you were talking about i think what they did is correct me if i'm wrong i think they like kind of have the center of the tire is kind of like a traditional, like a 200 treadwear, nice, like high life, you know, wears like iron tire. But on the, on the edge, they make it like a much stickier compound. And that's like, kind of like the, the Hoosier involvement or whatever. So they've got this like high grip external. And then this like long lasting, like center line. That's very interesting. I actually hadn't heard that um, before, but I believe it. Um, that's really cool. That tire was designed specifically to take down the RS4 in endurance racing. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, that's cool. That tire is supposed to be the RS4 replacement because as of right now, it's literally the Hankook RS4. Yeah. And then there's like the Cooper, I think it's called the RS3. And yeah. then there's this Continental Extreme Contact Force. And there's probably like another tire that I'm forgetting, but... Like even the RS4s, I remember when we were at the WRL race at um, at Daytona last year. Maybe it was two years ago. Goodness gracious, COVID uh, kind of like made every, everything <laughs> I know, right? into it a all blur. together. <laughs> uh, but the RS4s were basically chunking and delaminating much less than any of the other tires that people were using. Interesting. Um, they were still chunking and delaminating, but it was yeah. less than the others. Um, so in that super torture tested environment, um, it seemed like the RS4s were the only ones that could really 
stand up. And I think that this tire, the Extreme Contact Force, is specifically designed to try to take that thrown away from that tire. That's interesting. There's so many so many cool tires out these days like the um the re71r we talked about is no longer in production mm-hmm. um if you know where to look you can still find some uh but they just recently started selling the re71rs which is their replacement for it but mm-hmm. I-, I can't really tell you anything about it because it's brand new yeah we we might get to try some of those through a friend that works at bridgestone but that will be later in the year yeah um i think right now the rt660 from Falcon kind of seems to be the tire that everyone is defaulting to, um, just generally speaking. It is also now like standard tire for a couple of different grid life time attack. Uh, yeah. So events. basically, the way the rules are written, the RT660 just like blows away the competition. So like we were talking about the AO52, it's an amazing tire um, from Yokohama, but it got outlawed from GLTC. It was just too fast. <laughs> so uh, it, like in a lot of places the rt660 is the strategic tire choice um so they are quite popular um i would say though that if you're getting into track days like don't just go off of that that may not fit you what might fit you and what i think fits you if you just want to turn a lot of laps and you want a good rewarding tire is something like an rs4 a hankook rs4 Mm -hmm. they're just i've had great experience with them i i feel like i can drive them on the street a bunch and like they don't penalize you from the extra heat cycles. Um, you drive them on track. They're still very rewarding and grippy. Mm -hmm. Um, something like that makes a ton of sense. You don't want the stickiest possible tire. That's not the answer. The answer is something that's sticky enough that you can really get a lot of capability out of your vehicle. Um, but lasts long enough that you, you know, it's a justifiable expense. Like, sure. Would we love to heat cycle, a set of R7s um, and, and run them for two laps and then throw them away and just do that in perpetuity. Hmm. Sure, with unlimited money, that'd be your fastest laps. But that's just that's not a proper strategy if you're just trying to go out there and learn. Yeah, I think the RS4 is the gold standard for track days and endurance racing, and it shows. And I'm very interested to see that Continental Extreme Contact Force and see how it holds up. Um, there are some other tires that I really want to try. Uh, the Nankang AR1 and Nankang CRS. Um, I bought a set of Nankang AR1s for a lightweight set of uh, young blood wheels that I had for my Miata before oh, I sold cool. it. Yeah, I sold them with the stickers on. Oh. I never, I never drove on them. I was <laughs> so angry about it. <laughs> um, so uh, that tire, uh, everything that we that or at least that I've seen about that tire is just like that. This is the gold standard for sub 200 treadwear uh, track tires. Yeah. I, I, uh, I remember hearing that like a lot of the people um, who are regulars at the Nürburgring yes. were all about the AR one. And this was before it was available in the U S um, so that there's, there's a lot of good things to be said about that tire. Apparently it has that combination of first corner turn in aggressiveness and sharpness with like long lasting kind of Hoosier like uh, wearability. Um, The other thing, interestingly that we've heard recently, we have a couple of friends in the tire uh, industry Uh, in recent testing with the Nankang CRS, which is the, I guess the new name it used to be there. Like the CR one. That's like a 200 treadwear. Yes. It is the 200 treadwear tire. It's supposed to be a 200 treadwear competitor for those, uh, like global time attack type of events where okay. you have to have a 200 treadwear. Um, that tire is supposedly faster than the AR1 in in like independent testing. 
Wow. Um, so 200 treadwear attire faster than I forget what the AR1 is, but it's probably like 80 or 100. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see when that car starts hitting the market. I know there are some people running it at those grid lifetime attack events like um, uh, Jackie Ding in okay. the Supra. Yeah. I think that he, he runs those a lot and a couple of other people are too. So. So we've mentioned some of the inaccuracies of the treadwear rating. I think there's another um, another factor here that we've not really discussed, and that's age. Mm. So it's really interesting. Uh, I I thought I don't know how pe- how many people are really aware of this, but I just remember when the S2000 came out, it just got these amazing reviews. But did you know it was backed with a 120 treadwear tire? I didn't. So it's like, like from the factory. From the factory. What were they? <sighs> It's, it's, a, it's definitely like, not a tire that's made anymore. Yeah, sorry for putting you on the spot. No, no, it's all good. That's what Google's for, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the original tire was like some 100 tread, 120 treadwear tire. and uh, It's like a Bridgestone pole position SO4 or something. I feel like yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that. that sounds right. I feel like I've seen that in a lot of the forums and stuff back right. in my S2000 days where people were talking about how that was the no, best tire ever i think that's exactly right but i bet I, I don't even know how you'd get a hold of one today um but that tire against a modern 200 treadwear any 200 treadwear is probably slower like i, I feel like these they've gotten stickier these treadwear ratings have have improved and become more aggressive and more sticky over the years so i i, I don't think the r triple eight or the R triple eight R was necessarily like a not very sticky for its category tire. I think it's just a really old compound, mm-hmm. and you compare it to the modern stuff coming out, and it's just it should be a different scale. So, like I said, I think the RT six sixty felt faster to me than the R triple eight R, but I I don't think that like Toyo said, hey, we're gonna put this R triple eight R like at the bottom of the category. I think the category has just shifted so much since the origin of that tire. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, though, because you even see that in tire testing where they'll introduce a new tire and they'll say, This is the exact same compound as this other tire that we used to make and we're just using uh, you know, kind of what's left basically to to build this tire. And yeah, it, those are typically not the f- all-out fastest tires, but they sometimes are very inexpensive, which can attract people. And, and, and like I, uh, we've mentioned before on the podcast, like these, uh, you know, a, a lot of what influences, like, um, you know, what, what you hear from reviewers on new cars is mm-hmm. like the tires. So if it, it, you, I just remember like when the FRS came out, everybody's like, oh, it's so playful, it's so fun. It's like, well, you stretch these Prius tires on there, like it's going to be really loose, right? Mm-hmm. And then you take a super grippy car, and, it, and it's like, wow, this thing's so fast on, on the skid pad. And it's just, it that's just tire. That's something that you, you will have to replace. And when you replace it, you spend an extra 100 bucks, spe- spend an extra 300 bucks or something, you'll get an entirely different driving experience. And I, I, think, uh, I think that's kind of, underrepresented in, in car reviews and things like that. People aren't really talking about that. Yeah, and and I've, I think, too, people don't realize how much heat affects the way that a tire handles. So when you go on a street drive, like a journalist, for example, um, they go on a street drive, They uh, even it going very fast down a mountain road, it's just completely different tire wear than 
than actually driving a car at a racetrack. And the tires that we're talking about before that are like kind of the gold standard to go on sports cars when they're brand new, things like the uh, Michelin Pilot uh, or PS4S, whatever they call it now, Um, Pirelli P0, the Eagle, uh, uh, what is it, Goodyear Eagle F1 that they put on like 911s and 718s and stuff like that. Um, All of these tires... In the summertime, if you do two hot laps, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. and, and you have to start managing like unexpected sliding um, way sooner than... Uh, it, they're just not built for that. They're great in the rain, and they're great for daily driving. They have decent treadwear. Uh, and by treadwear, I mean that in the literal sense, not the, not the rating. Um, yeah. But they just, in a high-performance environment at something like a track, they're going to be gone after two laps. You've got to remember that these that cars are designed ultimately by these engineers. These engineers are problem solvers, right? And and you give them the specifics and they operate around those. And the fact of the matter is cars are evaluated in a very specific way and it's different than how we consume them. So like this is the greatest analogy for this that 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 I'm aware of, but when I worked at Honda, I remember we had this like laser hone machine. And they, they did this like laser honing and it would cut this pattern in the cylinder wall mm-hmm. that would increase fuel economy by one mile per gallon <laughs> or enough to round up to one mile per gallon in, increase. But it the effects of it were completely gone after the first thousand miles. <laughs> and they invested like a million dollars in this gosh. equipment. But it allowed them, it allowed marketing to say that this car was more fuel efficient than its competitor by that one mile per gallon advantage. And it's like... That's hilarious. It's not a real improvement for the customer. It's just marketing value. And I think like you have to consider that tires are such a cheat code to be like, we want to make sure that the reviewer thinks the car's better in their battery of tests rather than what the customer actually will want. And the other thing to consider too is they're doing zero to 60 tests on these tires. Right. And that is that magazine number like MPG that people are going for. So they they have to be capable of running a very fast zero to 60 time, literally like stone cold. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, of course, they'd probably do warm them up a little bit, but it's not warming them up in the sense that you would at at something like a track. Right. They're not like doing a couple of hot laps and then doing their exactly. launch, right? Exactly. They're, they're not, not doing, they're a, not doing burnout. a burnout box yeah. either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, you've, you, these understanding these factors really help you um, understand like why we end up with such a weird array of tires that are like, why did that car get, you know, started with that tire? Why did it start with this configuration of tires? And I, and one, one thing we haven't really talked about that I think is very interesting is like, some cars come staggered from the factory. So you get a different tire on the front and the back. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's even a different diameter wheel front to back. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it makes sense. It's like, oh, well, the engine or the weight placement is in a certain place. So you kind of want more grip on one side. Uh, but in general, everything in a car, the, the suspension setup, the tires, everything is kind of configured so that the car will tend to understeer. Mm-hmm. It's just safer. It's considered safer for a novice driver. Like they're less likely to to wreck um out of their control like it's it's uh uh, we can super dive into that but point is um what the car comes with is not necessarily what you're going to want to run like on the track i i've noticed like 
Um, a lot of cars will have this crazy stagger. You put a square setup and the car's very neutral. Yeah. So that there's a lot of factors, safety being one, um, reviewer value being another that, that could configure a car in a way that would be totally different than what an enthusiast would want out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the truth. And that is a very common thing to go from a staggered setup to a square setup on a track car. And that will tune out a lot of that factory designed uh, understeer and non-neutral steering that, yeah. or, uh, handling feeling that, that you get from a, from a bone stock car. Um, so yeah, that's, that's an interesting way. I will say on my S2000, it made it worse. Uh, I put, oh really? Yeah, I put those that square setup on immediately. Had all the issues with the rubbing. I had to put a stiffer front sway bar on because the front tires were just. It was. It made the car that was already known for being sketchy to to handle even more sketchy because now you have more grip on the front axle, and it was just like, it was the epitome of unlimited front end grip and oh, wow. and very limited rear. Yikes! <laughs> and that is a dangerous combination for driving. Uh, at 10 tenths for an extended period of time on a, at a track day um s2000s are already sketchy enough as it is yeah you don't yeah. want to make that any, any harder <laughs> on yourself um okay let's can we sum up and just pick pick like two or three tires that you've used that you love and would highly recommend and then like two tires that you haven't tried that you want to try and, Ooh, and I, I, like I can that. i can go first since okay. it's my idea um so tires that i love yeah and that i've used a lot um i really like the rs4s and it's okay if your list is similar. I actually really like the AO52s. The the other thing that people don't know about the AO52s, they are fantastic in the rain. I, oh, I did one important. of the fastest rain sessions I have ever done. Um, wh- like to the to the point where I was like getting like waves and thumbs up from corner workers and like, <laughs> getting point buys from like uh, 911s and stuff. Um, and it was all like those tires. They're just really really good in the rain. And yeah. I, and this has been backed up by Tire Rack. I looked at some of their data on it, and it, it performed really well in their tests in the rain, better than all of the competitors actually. Wow. Um, so RS4, Yokohama AO52. Um, and then the last one that I've had good fortunes with recently that I think is going to be like one of the new gold standards is the RT660. Um, yeah. I think that tire is really like coming into its own and, and Falcon, who is usually not at the top tier uh, of tire manufacturers, I think that they've kind of put themselves at that top tier with this specific tire. Yeah. Um, so those are my three that I, that I really like that I've used. Um, two that I haven't tried that I really want to try. The... Okay, I'm going to throw these into the same category. I'm going to say three. The Nankang uh, AR1. Yeah. The Nankang CRS. I'm going to call those the same tire because it seems okay. like the CRS is faster. The AR1 is cheaper. I don't know which one I'd pick. Just based on availability, I'd probably go with whichever one I could. Um, and then the second one is that Continental Extreme Contact Force. That is just so yeah. interesting. The fact Great. that it was co-developed with Hoosier and that it's going for the RS4, which is already on the favorites list. Um, yeah, I'm dying to try that one. Um, so those are, that's my list. Oh, is okay. yours the same? Do you have it, ones that you would add similar. or change? I, I do. I do. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to sound terribly creative cause it's mostly the same, but, um, here's what I would add to a favorites list that, okay. um, I think is really important for our listeners to hear. And that is the mission, uh, the Michelin, uh, pilot sport 4s. Mm, yep. So I don't think it's the best track tire, but I think it is absolutely the best street tire. Like if it comes in your size, it's so good for the street because it's incredible in the rain. Yeah. It lasts forever and it's still sporty. So like if you have yeah. a sports car um and I, you you don't track all the time, you you 
maybe you'll bring it to the track. It'll be fine to bring it to the track. I back but, that 100%. Yeah. That it's is the, the perfect best, tire like, all-arounder. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it absolutely needs, it deserves a spot on the list. Um, I've never tried an AO52. And after that endorsement, it's it's top on my want to try list. Yeah. And the RT660, I'm struggling with because I've driven it once and I loved it. Um, so I don't know if it's I don't know if I'm allowed to put it in. I haven't. <laughs> it. I want to learn how how it feels. Uh, but I, I'm most excited about that. And yeah, the Extreme Contact Force, um, just because it's so interesting. I, I will add to the list the RE71RS. Um, yeah, that's the like, point. Yeah, the RE71 was so good. RE71R was so good. Um, I doubt they'd completely drop the ball. I bet it's a great tire. And it just came out, so nobody's really been able to I, I haven't heard, you know, good reviews on it yet or like or bad reviews. I haven't re- heard reviews. So I'm really curious to see how good that is. Yeah. If they just make it the grip of an RE seventy one R but longer, it's gonna be like Ugh. very easily top tier. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So realistically, um yeah, otherwise my list is probably the same. I do want to spend more time on slicks um, yeah. just because I, I, I haven't been able to do a bunch of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, cool. Yeah. That was a long one. We yeah. might break it up into two. Yeah, if if uh, if this is episode two, not episode one, that that's why. Um, I, I think we're <laughs> I think we're getting close to over two hours if we were to make this one. So, but I think these were two really incredibly important topics. I think we were able to cover them in some depth. And I think these, uh, I, I think these are directly actionable to how you can improve your experience, um, driving and strategize on your pathway to whatever you're trying to accomplish in, uh, you know, on four wheels on a racetrack. Yeah. Um, th- since this is slightly more, educational than we have done in the past or at least attempted (laughs) you can tell us if it was or not um send us questions if you there's a lot of information here and there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions here too you know yeah um so send us questions disagreements things that you want to hear more about um whatever it may be is it's info at in the race podcast is that right that's right info at in the race podcast um send us your questions uh about anything that we said or our future topics kind of like this that you want us to take a much deeper dive into yeah, no, this is, uh, yeah, uh, this was a lot of fun for us. Uh, we, we got to kind of like pull from the past and a lot of our experiences. Uh, but, but like we said, we, we don't know it all. Um, we're just trying to share what we can and uh, maybe we'll learn together in this process. <laughs> Good stuff. So thanks again for listening. Um, keep keep an ear out. We'll, uh, we'll probably be back with some more like specific targeted educational content. And soon uh, you're going to hear from more voices just than the two of us. Uh, We're going to bring some other people on board and you'll get to hear their stories as well. Exciting stuff. All right. And again, uh, if you want to follow us um, in in the race podcast, uh, just like that email address, info at in the race podcast.com. Please shoot us a message. If you want to follow us on Instagram and YouTube, uh, I'm Kevin Bandy and you can find me at Bandy Graham. That's my Instagram. That's also my YouTube, Uh, my TikTok too, which I don't have much, but uh, (laughs) that's how you find me. How about you, Corey? I'm, Corey R. Funk on Instagram, and uh, I am The Enthusiast Perspective on YouTube and, and a couple of other places. So if you want to follow along there, uh, go for it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll catch you next time.